Well, hello, folks. This is Samantha. I am coming to you before the beginning of this episode to let you know a couple of things. One, we are so sorry this was supposed to be released in early October, but the month has been pretty hectic. I've been sick. We've been dealing with some things, so I apologize, but here it is, and we'll be firing off all of our October Halloween special episodes soon as well. I will let you know that this episode does contain some pretty intense themes involving child abuse, but stick with it. At the end, Drea has an awesome piece on a little-known subject about beaver glands. You may also notice that I'm coming in a little bit more crystal clear than any of our old episodes, and that's because we've finally been able to afford new equipment. Thanks to all of the generous and amazing folks that have supported us. Thank you so, so much. So the next couple of episodes will still be a little rough. We appreciate you sticking by us as we work out the kinks. And by episode 37, we'll be sounding like real podcasters. So thank you and enjoy the episode. Yeah, fuck September. It's yeah. almost time for the spoopy month of the year. This is our last podcast before we go full force into spoopiness. Every episode from here on out until the end of October is going to be spoopy as spoop. I mean, we already spoop it. Yeah, that's true. Up, we bring the spoop always, so we we'll just be like spoop. descending into our natural element of really freaky shit. Yeah. If you were around. Last time this month uh, was here, a year ago. You were here a year ago. We did so many Halloween episodes, we ran out of, like, episodes. Yeah, we did. We stopped. I literally <laughs> so have had the remaining articles and, and versions and ways of celebrating Halloween saved in my phone for me to come back to whenever we get back around to it. So, so many. If you go to our Patreon, you can get all of our previous episodes. Which include all of our previous Halloween episodes. Yeah. We we did a spooky stories one. I pulled a bunch of spooky stories off of Reddit. Yes. That was wild. <gasps> that was that so was much a fun. Wild episode. That was like if you get goosebumps yeah. easily, oh, that shit Holy was crazy. Holy shit that episode. Yeah. And a lot of it was like outdoorsy stuff, like like people camping, one hiking. <laughs> one of the stories, the person was in their tent and they could feel someone touching the bottom of their foot through the through tent. Through the tent. And then they rearranged all their camping supplies. It, huh? The one that really got me was the uh, Japanese apartment. Yes, the little boy. Nope. Holy nope. shit! Nope. I so, the mom didn't leave, and I'm like, I why won't you I'm, leave? I'm getting goosebumps again. <laughs> like all, just thinking about it is terrifying. So. so scary. Hop over on Patreon, House of the Slither Sisters. Go become a member at literally any tier, mm -hmm. and you will get access to all of those episodes. Because we're not going to go over them again, because we've got too much more to cover. And there's only so many Wednesdays in the month. So, you know. Get it. Yeah. Get it. Well, hey, welcome to the Welter Podcast. I am Samantha, also known online as the Belladonna Cosplay. I am Drea. <laughs> Online, all over the goddamn place as Drea, but... Every Wednesday we question our reality, asking just what the fuck are we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about? What are we about? talking about? I think before we talk about what we're talking about, what are we drinking? Wine! 19 Crimes, my one of my favorite cheapo wines. This one is tasting 
a little extra tight, a little extra acidic, acidic a little extra earthy. Is Normally, it? 19 Crimes is super, like, fruity jammy, and maybe it just needs to open up. Maybe they switched to the new vintage, so it's not quite ready yet. Because let me tell you something, after spending years in the industry, I can tell you it needs to sit in the bottle for a certain amount of time before it's the good good, right? Right? You know what I'm saying? This is not the best version of this wine. In fact, this bottle may be bad. But <laughs> tonight's shit is so heavy, we gonna drink it. Tastes just fine to me. Then what, what the fuck was that face? My face is at what the hell you were talking about. It's... <laughs> Maybe my palate is All weird right, today. Cool. I, I agree. You don't think it tastes weird? All wine tastes weird to me. It's wine. Ma'am. Form a goddamn opinion. Yeah. Wine is wine. I don't like white wine. That's an opinion. About this wine. Form an opinion about this wine. Okay, thing. maybe it is. Okay. <laughs> Hello. That one was a little hard. Okay, so the giveaway of when your bottle of wine is bad is that it smells... I point to my cheekbone. It smells a little bit like cardboard, like musty, a little wet cardboard. It does. Do you smell that? I smell it now, but maybe I smell it just because you said it. It's like a little bit, just a little bit there. So this bottle is just a little bit off and that's not anything you can control. That comes from the cork which you have no idea of knowing whether or not your cork is without, I think it's a You're botrycitis. It's botrycitis. I, yeah. So. You're a nerd. You're a nerd. You know what's really nerd. cool? They have dogs that can smell. And no one likes you. I'm just kidding. Everybody loves you. When a bottle of wine is corked. They can smell it. You're so like you can quality nerd. control with dogs, which we'll get into that later. You're a fucking nerd. I am. I'm a love big it. fat nerd. I love that song, but I Working hate on my cardio that part though. of the song is, and no one likes you, because everybody likes nerds. I mean, now more than ever, like, it's in fashion to be nerdy and geeky and, like, obsessed with shit now. Sorry if you got picked on in high school for it, or middle school, or elementary school for it, or college even. Now it's in fashion. It's hip. It's vibe. It's that fucking Marvel surge of... Are you done? Nope. Yeah. Yeah. I'm done. (laughs) What are we talking about? Folks, trigger warning. This episode of the Wild to Podcast, oh boy, it has actual live recordings. We're going to be playing live recordings of accounts of abuse, child molestation, rape, and pedophilia, and sex trafficking. (sighs) So it's going to be a rough one, but in the recent events of the Epstein scandal issues trial exposure exposure this has happened before on a, on a very large scale what's going on with the epstein Hello. and the, the flight logs and the island and all the people involved in that that has already happened in our country and it was insane and nobody knows about it when i was digging up the research on it dead end after dead end the wikipedia page is barely a paragraph Barely. The actual Wikipedia for this, if you look it up, nothing. I'll show it to you right now. You also said when you Google it, nothing shows up. That's it. What the fuck? That's it. That? There's nothing there. It is a sentence. (laughs) Goddamn. That's it. Uh, mm, uh, this is a problem. So, even, even actual 
a court case that I'll get into later about this, a federal case, just all I can find is the articles that were released back in 1989 and 1990, and there's, it just drops off. It, it just kind of blows over. Almost so, as if someone paid to make it go away. It, this goes deep. So stick with me, folks. It, stick with me. All right. So we're going to start. Also relevant because there's some white dudes who had an argument and they both have some uh, some some ties to the subject matter that we're talking about. Yeah, they do, actually. <laughs> I mean, not, not name dropped, but. Relevant. <sighs> Hang on to your butts. So, Sammy. Sammy? September 5th. Sammy? 19, yeah. Sammy? What? What are we talking about? Uh, <laughs> the bit! The bit! Dramatic. I was being dramatic. I bit! You were like sinking into your narrative voice and I was like, Sammy. Sammy. Sammy! 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 What are we talking about? What are That's we talking Ryan Vergara. about? <laughs> <laughs> it will remain. And so. It's the last funny thing I'm going to say. What? Hi. What are we talking about? We are talking about Johnny Gosh and the Franklin cover-up. And why are we talking about it? Because nobody was talking nobody about was it. Nobody talking about it. And you haven't heard about it. I haven't heard about it. I have no idea except for the warnings and a little bit of, of, of overarching themes so that I could prepare myself emotionally. September 5th, 1982. 82. 82. All right. 6 a.m., 12-year-old Johnny Gosh left his home in the suburbs of Des Moines, Iowa. This is from his mother. She's she's written this out. And I'll cite all of my sources. All of my sources come from the actual articles and reports. <clears throat> uh, suburb, suburban... Excuse me. Johnny Gosh left his suburban home in Des Moines, Iowa to deliver newspapers. This is the first time he went on his paper route without his father. He took the family dog, Gretchen, with him. Gretchen, baby, honey, mm -hmm. sweetie, you can get got. And he brought his little red wagon to the garage where all the local kids picked up the uh, newspapers. Yes, you have a question? It is not a coincidence that this is the very first time Dad wasn't there. It is I'm not. Just, I'm just throwing this out there. It is not. It, uh, also, a little anecdote. It's so easy for people to be able to figure out what your deal is. Like minivans with the little family stickers and their and the school that they go to and what sports well, they're in. It is so easy to peg somebody like what their family is, what also, their children's routine is. Like that's too it's too much. There was a massive epidemic in the eighties where kids were rampantly kidnapped and they got, spoiler alert, no help from the police as far as the investigation. Surprise, and surprise. Most parents didn't know where the fuck their kids were. Back like going back to the Action Park episode. Parents had no fucking clue what kids were doing, yeah. where they were going. Yeah. They would say, I'm at this house. They didn't have tracking on their phones. They and, didn't even have phones! And when we get into the Franklin cover-up, one of the girls that was involved when she was 14, 15 years old, she'd tell her parents she was at a football game but or going to stay at a friend's house. And then she ends up states away. It's... I mean, that was common. It was the pre-cell phone era. You told your parents what you were up to and they either believed you and went with it or they didn't trust you and you had a curfew and had to be home by. Like, I had a conservative family, but they, we literally would just go outside yeah. and do what the fuck ever until it was time to eat. Like, and it that was, was just how you... 
it's that's so how you did it. Cringeworthy to me when I hear Gen Xers and like boomers say like, "Oh, thank God there was no social media when I was a kid. Who knows? Like everything we got away with." And it's like, what did everyone get away with then? Because there was no way to track anything. A kid got snatched, gone. That was it. That was. I it. remember having a conversation as a child. My mom was like, "I need you to like all three of us sit down. You need to know." There are going to be some people out there that will try to convince you to go with them somewhere. Yep. Never go with anybody you Never don't know somewhere. Never go to a second somewhere. location. If, and, and I remember it being like, candy is a big lure, or where's your parents? I can give you a ride, or you, these, these phrases, right? And then the biggest one was mom was like, okay, so that's what you avoid. But if you're ever... In a situation where an adult or a child, but mainly this talk was about an adult. Other kids, too, will try to get you to go places because of what we're going to get into. Ever has you and you need to get away? Mom was, my mom was literally like, you use whatever you have to get away from them. You scratch, you kick, you bite, you go for the balls, the eyeballs or the testicles. You go for the Your sweet spots. such a badass. And you get the hell out of there. <laughs> Like your mom's like fuck. Them this up. was the talk Do I it. had as a child, like because that was a thing. The kids just fucking disappeared and yep. got got gone. I was born in '87, so I was the tail end of the '80s, and we were pretty conservative, but we still had that fucking conversation. That's perfect advice. Go for the balls. Doesn't matter which. Go for it. Eyes stab, genitals. Don't stop stabbing. Yep. She was like, <laughs> she goes through. Bite him, <laughs> which is kind of funny because I, I bit my sister later in life, and it's an inside she joke there. It. But she was like, "That <laughs> is where it's okay to bite somebody," and I was she like, "Let's go!" <laughs> Whatever. I didn't have a physical outlet for my anger and violence. Okay, so like, what are we talking about? Multiple witnesses, both teens and adults, recall recall seeing a strange car driving around a blue two door Ford Fairmount with Nebraska plates. Nebraska plates, remember that for later. At one point, the car stopped to talk to Johnny. People also reported seeing a man, after being signaled by the driver of the blue Ford, emerge between two houses and follow Johnny down the street. Out of sight, people heard the slam of a car door and the screeching of tires. Johnny's parents had no fucking clue he was gone until people started calling their house and saying, hey, our papers didn't get delivered, what what's going on so johnny's father john gosh senior went out and all he found was johnny's turned over wagon with all the newspapers scattered about and then the family dog came home by themselves uh so this is the tipping point y'all we can make fun and jokes all the way up to the episode but then a point happens where we're no longer laughing johnny's mom the epitome of badass mother because she immediately went into my son is gone i need to take care of this mode she calls the police, and then as soon as she gets off the phone with the police, she calls everybody. She gets an account of everything everybody saw from the moment the son was dropped off to pick up the newspapers to the moment he was last seen. She gets wow. all this information. Go, Mom. The police station is only 10 blocks away. It takes them 45 minutes to show up. When they show up, Noreen lays out everything for the cops. This is everything that I happened. did all your work this for is, you. Did all the work. I did, did the homework. The police respond with, has your son ever run away before? I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. 
We have a whole ass show called The First 48. Which is the first 48 hours within someone going missing. Oh, if it gets to 48 hours, they're probably dead. In 1982, reason. there was a rule that you could not deem someone missing and go looking for them until 72 hours later. They're dead! So the police declined to help at that point. And they said that they needed the prerequisite wait before reporting the missing child. So the very next day, John and Noreen pulled a thousand people all together in Des Moines, Iowa, and they started canvassing the entire area. They were, they were checking the woods, they were calling everybody, they were looking for the car, they did everything. And then, Police Chief Orville Cooney shows the fuck up with a bullhorn and says, go home folks, the kid is probably just a damned runaway. How about fuck you, I'm looking for my missing son. Right. Go home, folks. He's just a runaway. How about go fuck yourself? Cooney sandbagged the entire effort for them to find their child. In 1983, he said to the local press, I don't give a damn about what Noreen Gosh has to say. I'm kind of sick of her. (gasps) He was then compelled to resign after 18 officers of the 37 people at the department complained about his behavior, which include drinking on the job, fixing tickets, and racism. Oh, wow! Surprise, surprise! The man's a piece of shit! Uh, Ah! I'm so mad for Noreen! Yeah. According to the article that was posted on this, this non-cooperative response from authorities is representative of what victims' parents experienced in the early 1980s. A lethargic local police, no children's organizations or infrastructure to report their kidnappings, and an absent FBI. We have no crime, one federal agent told Noreen. This is actually Johnny because his mother and father would not give up and would not let up. She would literally, they, they said she would literally scream at anyone who could hear her about her missing child. As was, you do when your child is missing. He was the second child ever to be put on a milk carton. What? Yeah. What? I wonder who the first one was. I don't know. I'm going to look that up. We'll write that one down yeah. for later. Oh my God. Uh, I, uh, uh. In 1984, they passed the Johnny Gosh bill, which abolished the 72-hour wait period and required police to begin the search for missing children immediately. Hello! now a national standard. Honestly, I mean, obviously this ends in her not having any answers, but... None. She's gotta well, have... Uh, mm, she's but, not the answer she needs or deserves mm, as a mother. It gets weird. It gets really weird. I hope that she has a a little bit of takeaway that that affected change. Mm -hmm. Like, that they changed a law because of what happened. But, I mean, it's nowhere near enough. But at least, at least that (laughs) lost you and me both. You and me both. Lost in space goes... I want to fight the police, right? I want to fight the police. Ica? Anyway. Ica? Ica? What are we talking about? The trail remained cold until 1991, and this is where the spider web starts to branch. In 1991, Paul Benaki, a 24-year-old who was imprisoned in Omaha, Nebraska for molesting his cousin, came forward with the claim that as a teenager, he had been forced to participate in kidnapping Johnny. He was in the van and he accounted of when they ripped the doors open 
and he was one of the kids to help grab Johnny because they would utilize young kids and teenagers to help grab other kids. Because it's a little less suspicious than yeah. a full grown-ass adult. Yeah. Uh. Banaki had been diagnosed with multiple personality disorder, which was a side effect from having suffered sexual abuse since the age of eight. No! According to Banaki, Johnny was brought into the world of child sex trafficking, with Paul claiming to be the first person to molest Johnny on film as a sort of advertisement for predators. No! Banaki said that he saw Johnny again after 1982 in 1986, where he was being held with other children in a house in Colorado. Because there are whole houses. Yep. Oh, yeah, they find There all are the whole systems all in place for this. And they're not gone. Nope. That didn't go away. Nebraska, hat to this day, has a very serious child um, trafficking issue. Very serious issue in Nebraska. They had, I think it was something of like a hundred kids go missing a month or something like that. That is entirely yeah. too many. Oh my! Why would you live? Why would you raise kids in Nebraska? That needs to be advertised. Hi, Do welcome to Nebraska, Nebraska, where your kids disappear. Maybe raise a family elsewhere. That's not funny, but the way you said it was like, don't bring your kids here. Don't have a family here. Okay. Where was I? Noreen was adamant that Benaki was being truthful. In her recorded conversations with Paul, Noreen said he described details about her son that were not reported in the media, including physical markings on Johnny's body and idiosyncratic personal behavior. In a 1992 investigation conducted by America's Most Wanted, the show used Benaki's description to locate the then-abandoned house in Colorado. There the, team, there the team discovered a hidden underground chamber where, according to the executive producer, Paul Sperry, there were children's initials carved into the walls. Despite this corroboration, Des Moines police have repeatedly declined to interview Benaki. Declined? This is, this is where it gets really weird. I've got chills already. Like... <laughs> In 1997, 15 years 97. after 15 years after his disappearance, at 2:30 in the morning, Noreen awoke to a knock on her door. Although the unexpected visitor pulled open his shirt to re reveal a familiar birthmark on his chest, Noreen claimed she recognized the visitor right away to be her 27-year-old son. Oh my god. Oh my god. 2:30 in the morning. He was accompanied by a man she had never seen before who refused to speak to her. Although she spoke with her son for over an hour, Johnny would look over to the other person for approval to speak. Of course. The long missing boy supposedly told his mother that he was still in danger and refused to disclose where he was living before vanishing once again and never saw Oh my God! Yeah. She asked him all kinds of questions about where he had been, what had happened to him, and he couldn't he couldn't respond to any of them. He'd always look to the other guy, and the guy would be like, can't say that. Can't say anything. And that's but, all like, she had was that one moment with her son. Uh, he was gone. Uh, yeah. But, like, you know that the guy who's there is not, like, the one who made this shit happen. Oh, no. It was his chaperone oh, who, no. al like, well, allowed him to, like... By 1997... The whole ring that I'm going to get into either was dead, in jail, or just disappeared. All the names that are dropped by the kids that were involved in this, and then, again, we'll get into that later, but a lot of them were in jail, dead, or just gone. So. 
Oh, I can't believe. I can't believe that she got to talk to him for an hour, and that was that was, that it. was it. An hour. That's all she had with him. The uh, Noreen went to the FBI. They were useless. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Had them create a sketch of her now adult son, which can be seen online. If you Google Johnny Gosh's name, you'll see the sketch of what he looked like at 27. He would be in his late 40s 90, now. That was 97 or 95? It was 97. Okay. He would he would have been twenty seven and ninety seven. So we've got oh seven and seventeen and then so twenty three years later. He's fucking fifty. Yeah, he's fifty now. Uh, FBI. Okay. Lack of evidence besides her own word led the authorities to doubt that he was still alive. Noreen firmly believes that Johnny was abducted as part of a child sex ring and, and that the investigation was hampered because of the big names involved in the scheme. Because authorities Although not denying the theory was impossible, Des Moines police said they had no evidence to suggest that Johnny was swept into a pedophile ring. Noreen and her husband never gave up hope on their missing child, missing son, who she believes is still alive, once stating in an interview, we've lived without Johnny for a long time now. It's not new to us, but it still hurts. 2006. Uh, uh, okay, so almost another decade later. 2006. I, I believe on her birthday, one of these incidents happened on Noreen's birthday. There was a package left on her doorstep. It contained... Fuck. It contained photos of her son right after he was kidnapped, bound, hogtied, and gagged with other children. And, um... Yeah. It, the photos are graphic. She purposely put the photos on the Johnny Gosh Foundation website. Also, she works actively, up until 2018, there hasn't been an update since 2018, actively against child sex trafficking. And she'll pull photos and be like, if you need to, if you know who this child is, if, you, if you've seen this person, if you know, she'll put the photos of the child or like the adult that, like she'll throw them up there and be like, we need to find them, wow. email this address. Like she'll break it down. She found pictures of her son from 80, between, it had to have been between 82 and 80, 84 at least, because he still looked about 12, 13, 14, on a Russian sex trafficking site. They surfaced on there and then were sent to her. So it's... It takes a special kind of evil... Who sent those to photos? To snatch a child, take photos of that child... And send those photos to the mother. It's one Years thing. Years later. It's one thing to take the child and put it in this any other fucking scenario, let alone some of the worst case, child sex trafficking. But to take photos and send them to that child's mother yeah. is, un like, you got another level down of hell. Like, that is so fucked. believable Even more fucked is if you go to the website... There are people who, who will surface. There's a woman that she had to give a cease and desist to because she claimed to have had sexual encounters with her son and, and is crazy and is going off and saying all these things and all stuff that doesn't make any sense. That's not correct. And she's like, I need you to cease and desist. You're yeah, you're getting, clearly obsessed you're with being a part of what of this fame. is. Leave my son's legacy alone. Leave everything about Keep my son's alone. name yeah. out your mouth. There's another woman in 2018 that they had to say is no way involved 
in the Johnny Gosh case, she's pretending to be an investigator, and she's eliciting money from people to help her investigations of finding Johnny. People just will, will latch onto this and abuse it. And poor Noreen, who's been through hell and fucking back. There was even an incident. I Oh, my gosh. There was one interview I found. A woman pretended to be her early in the 80s when she was looking for her kid a woman was paraded around pretending to be Noreen and was talking to police and was talking to the media and was getting the viable information that was supposed to go to Noreen what gone what yeah. yeah and of course because this sounds so outlandish and when Noreen is like this shit happened they're like you're crazy like you're just a crazy mom. Oh, you're just kid. crazy in grief for the yeah. loss of your son. That loudmouth woman. She's so annoying. Were you born in a different century? You would have been put into a madhouse. Mm -hmm. She went through decades of shit just looking for her kid. And she, up until 2018, she would put notes. It's it's so heartbreaking. There's notes that she'll write to Johnny on the website, just hoping that he'd read them. Read them. She'd write birthday notes. She'd put pictures up from his childhood and say like, "Johnny, mommy always loves you. I'll never stop loving you." Like, she, she. I don't know what has happened to her since 2018. I know in recent years, I think it was 2019, she sent her condolences to a family whose child was taken and then found dead. And. Um, spoke with the mother and to help the mother with her grieving process but you know I mean now it's 2020 it's been so long that this poor woman is just wanting her fucking answers yeah so that that's the Johnny Gosh portion of this the audacity of folks to pretend to be her to pretend to be a part of this like I if you, mm, it's, it's you're either selfishly motivated to try to be shit. a piece of something. Yeah. If you somehow got it so twisted that you think this is the only way that you can participate in and trying to figure out how to break down child sex trafficking, like, oh, no, she just wanted to try, like, oh, she tried to use her name to maybe get people to give her answers or responses. I don't care where your motivations are. That is so fucked. So the Johnny Gosh disappearance through Paul Bonacki got related to what is now called the Franklin case, where several victims, and this is from Alan Douglas, Douglas of the Executive Intelligence Review, Volume 26, Number 12, published in March 19, 1999. Several victims testified to repeated sexual abuse. When the Franklin case first came to light in 1988 to 1990, numerous child victim witnesses, including Paul Bonacki and Alicia Owens, testified to investigators for the Nebraska Senate's Franklin Committee that a man named Rusty Nelson was the private photographer of Lawrence E. King Jr. Larry King, as they, as they all knew him as. So not Larry King, the Larry King we know. This not is a not Larry King live. different Larry King. He was an African-American man. I will go into what his deal is. Larry King is the center of the Franklin cover-up. The private photographer of Larry King, that Rusty Nelson, at King's direction, had taken thousands of pictures of incidents of sexual abuse against children. Chief Wadman, which was the chief of police in 
Omaha, Nebraska, where Alicia Owens was, named him as her primary abuser. The he, chief? The chief of police. The chief of police was, was named, named as her primary as abuser. Her primary abuser within this sex trafficking ring. Supposedly, Wadman at the time was, quote-unquote, investigating charges of pornography, which had been lodged against Nelson. But Wadman found that Nelson was, quote-unquote, involved in a legitimate business, though Wadman had to acknowledge that Nelson was living in an apartment rented for him by Larry King. Shortly thereafter, Rusty Nelson disappeared from Nebraska until he showed up as a surprise witness in court on February 5th, 1999. Some years later, after his disappearance, he had been arrested by police in Portland, Oregon, on pornography charges. The accused operator of this Omaha-based prostitution ring was Lawrence E. King, general manager of the Franklin Federal Credit Union. He was one of the rising black stars in the GOP. King was the former vice chairman of the National Black Republican Council and sang the national anthem at the 1984 Republican National Convention. Known for extravagant personal spending and throwing $100,000 parties, in April 1988, the FBI raided his bank and charged King with embezzling nearly $40 million. Six young adults, including Benaki, came forward saying that as teenagers they had been forced into prostitution by King, flown to Chicago, New York, Washington, D.C., and other cities to participate in pedophilic orgies. Alleged attendees at these gatherings included some of the wealthiest and most influential figures in Nebraska, including men prominent in industry, politics, the media, and police. A state Senate committee formed in November of 1988 to investigate both Lawrence E. King's financial dealings and the allegations of sex trafficking. The claims originated in the foster care system, where social workers' report on victim stories had been forwarded to authorities but was ignored. Boys Town, which is still in existence right now. Boys Town. It's all over. If you look it up, it is the weirdest name for an orphanage slash child protective group. It has it in the goddamn name. Boys Town is terrifying. That is very clearly a funnel for that shit. Boys Town? Boys You're going to have a, 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 some sort of adoptive foster orphanage, anything in that area. Boys Town? Come shop for your boy here, is what it practically screams. The nationally renowned orphanage had numerous connections to the Franklin Credit Union, including commercial accounts and sending minors to gain work experience under King. Around the same time, there was a homosexual prostitution ring under investigation in D.C., which came about because of a scandal where call boys were having midnight visits at the White House. And I will now play the actual news recording from that time. What what year? When? This is 89. The scandal broke in 1989. This is around the same time that all this is going down. So like all the investigations and all the allegations from the Franklin cover-up brought about from 88 to 90. 89 is when the call boys broke. Paul Benaki was one of those call boys. <laughs> And if Washington doesn't have enough to talk about these days, the Washington Times reported today that unidentified White House aides in the Carter, Reagan, and Bush administrations now are being investigated for using the services of a callboy ring. The paper reports that two of the male prostitutes were given a late-night tour of the White House last year. The White House press secretary, Marlon Fitzwater, said he knew nothing of this investigation. 
NBC's Lisa Myers reports her sources in the U.S. Attorney's Office say the investigation is not focusing on prostitution, but on fraud involving the use of credit cards to pay for the callboy services. So not, not the callboys. Credit card fraud is what they ended up investigating. Nothing about the prostitution or these two boys that were in the White House after midnight. Credit card fraud. A homosexual prostitution ring is under investigation by federal and district authorities and includes among its clients key officials of the Reagan and Bush administrations, military officers, congressional aides, and U.S. and foreign businessmen with close social ties to Washington's political elite. Reporters for this newspaper, aka the Washington Post, examined hundreds of credit card vouchers drawn on both corporate and personal cards and made payable to the escort service operated by the homosexual ring. Among clients who charged homosexual prostitutes serviced on major credit cards over the past 18 months, back in 18, 1989, are Charles K. Dutcher, Dutcher, former associate director of presidential personnel in the Reagan administration, and Paul R. Balak, labor secretary, Elizabeth Doyle's political personnel liaison to the White House. The man who was specifically involved in this ended up dead in a hotel room, and he was also very close to Lawrence E. King, which I'm gonna play the next. Dead in a hotel room is better than he deserved. Yep. King's partner was Washington lobbyist Craig Spence. Spence took youngsters, including Bonassi, on private midnight tours of the White House. So you were in the White House then? Yes. And how, how did you gain access? Well, I came down with uh, Larry King, but Craig Spence was the one that arranged the trip for us. And it was kind of a, a gift for our services that we were doing. How many times were you on this kind of a trip? I came to it on two times. Two times? And were you used for sex on those occasions? Not until after we left. After you left the White House? Yeah. What it, time of night? It was usually around uh, midnight. supposed to be a full investigation. I saw that the, they were doing a full federal investigation, but then it just went quiet. And as it got quiet, that's when Spence ended up dead in a hotel room at the huh. Carlton. Convenient. Yeah. Kind of like how Epstein ended up dead in a cell. Convenient. So Nick Bryant, author of the 2009 book detailing the Franklin cover-up as well as the Washington Callboy scandal, he stated in an interview with the International Society for the Study of Trauma and Disassociation in January of this year. He was asked, Nick, can you tell us a bit about the two particular key figures in this, Lawrence King and Craig Spence, and what their particular political connections were or are? We know that Craig Spence is dead, but Lawrence King is still around. Lawrence King was considered the fastest rising African-American star in the Republican Party. He rubbed elbows with just about everybody in the upper echelon, 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 echelon. <laughs> I know words, upper echelon of the Republican Party. Craig Spence was also a power broker in the Republican Party. He was a lobbyist. He could call anybody at any time. He had connections. As I said in the Franklin scandal, he could pick up a phone and call anybody. He was asked again. How much do you think they compromised powerful figures by way of secretly recording the sexual abuse of children? 
I think that Spence compromised anybody who did anything illegal at Spence's home in Washington. There were lots of opportunities to do things that were illegal in Spence's home. Anybody who did anything illegal in the home was compromised. And Americans don't understand this counter-political process. Americans think it is a special interest money that is co-opting the political system, which is true, but political blackmail is also co-opting the political system. Recently, I talked to the editor of a major magazine in New York City about Epstein. The Epstein story had broken. I knew more about Epstein, so I thought someone would jump on it. She could not believe the sexual political blackmail existed. We're talking about the editor of a major magazine in New York City, and she does not believe that sexual political blackmail exists. That That's is... how obtuse people are about this reality. That is so unfathomably, willfully ignorant. Mm -hmm. I... How many... How many today? How many people in politics... In schools, like the Liberty University guy who got positions caught. Positions of power. Positions of power are constantly getting caught with either sex workers or, or, or touching children inappropriately. It keeps happening. And of course, it's, of course it's a blackmail thing happening. Of course it's going on behind the scenes. That's why he ended up fucking dead. That's why Lawrence E. King served only a sentence... Only a jail sentence for embezzlement. Nothing. They threw out the child sex allegations. Threw them out. They said it was, if you look at articles about this, it was a, and I quote, carefully crafted hoax. Carefully crafted hoax? Are you kidding me? There's so much involved in it. So many names dropped. The way that these kids described what happened to them and when and the details of the locations. It's just like, are you... And exhibiting classic abused behaviors. behaviors. Classic. Paul Benaki was so fucked up. He was specifically used to get and keep the kids within the rings. So, it, it, I mean, he was one of the ones that was brought to the fucking White House as a reward. Uh, uh, and um, <laughs> so that whole, oh, no, that can't happen. 1989, Senate committee hires a private investigator named Gary Caradori, who used to be a state trooper, to compile evidence. He drew up leads and had a list of 60 potential victims. In November and December of 1989, he interviewed Alicia Owen, Troy Boner, and Danny King, all in their early 20s. Owen, Alicia Owen, was serving time at the Nebraska Center for Women at York for writing bad checks, while Boner and Danny King were living in the Omaha area. Caradori recorded their sworn testimony on over 20 hours of videotape, where they described being flown around the country as child prostitutes, involved in orgies, and as part of the Franklin Child Prostitution Ring that was organized by Larry King. All of them said it was organized by Larry King. After his brother was found dead, Troy Boner recanted his testimony. A 1990, July 1990 summary of a phone conversation with him, him, his mother, and the wife of Caradori documents him and his mother saying he is scared, he feels threatened, the FBI is threatening him, he had to go back on what he said. Oh boy. In July 1990, 
while allegedly in possession of photographs taken at King's sex parties, Caradori's small plane that he was piloting inexplicably disintegrated mid-air over Illinois. Ah, dis- jump. Wait a minute. Disintegrated. Dis- disintegrated. Show me. Disintegrated. Basically, the plane fell apart. That's disintegrated. That is literally, it crumbled Crumbled in a way that it structurally fell apart. Cannot, that, midair, that doesn't happen. Planes don't disintegrate. That doesn't just happen. You, you, this. Yeah. He and his eight-year-old son were killed and his briefcase containing evidence was never found. Planes don't do fall that. apart, let alone disintegrate. That's insanity. That's insanity. It'd be one thing if they were like, oh, the engine blew, and then they went down, or like, in the process, lost a wing. Like, planes are... Planes don't do that. Structurally sound? This is 1988. This isn't 1920. <sighs> this isn't the fucking Wright brothers testing their goddamn equipment. Ah! Oh, and the that. briefcase was never found? Caradori was reported to be a very competent pilot, and there apparently was no unusual weather, such as rain or fog, when the plane came down, said forecaster Michael Bell of the National Weather Service office in Rockford, Illinois. Ah! On March 6, 1991, Lauren Schmidt, Lauren Schmidt wrote to Bill Bruce, an NTSB aviation inspector, that... There had been entirely too many violent deaths associated with this investigation for me to accept the conclusion that Caradori's aircraft simply came apart in the sky. They don't just come apart! In October 1991, EIR published an article which termed Caradori's crash suspicious. It wasn't suspicious beforehand? After his death, the commercially controlled media tried to paint the man as a prank who badgered witnesses towards a predestined conclusion. GQ magazine, GQ magazine, wrote a story after he was dead that described him as a delusional investigator. This is all I can do. Anytime anything sus happens, I'm here going, follow the fucking money. Things don't disappear. Things don't disintegrate. People, like, it's paid to happen. In 2010, three of Caradori's interviews, that of Alicia Owen, Troy Boner, and Paul Benaki, were posted to an internet archive. Ooh, nothing's ever dead on the internet, man. On their way to YouTube. Nothing is ever dead on the internet. I am the daughter of a pilot. I've spent a lot of time in a wide range of aircrafts a wide range of sizes of aircrafts planes don't disintegrate do that planes don't disintegrate just don't you would have to do a lot of work to make a plane just come apart in the air an atmosphere of pressure including caradoni's suspicious death anonymous threats to the victims and intimidation applied by the feds led four of the six witnesses to retract their stories. Oh, wow! Oh, wow. So they said what happened. Then the fucking feds and the powers and the money got involved. 
and scared the shit out of them, suddenly, we can't say what we said. That is the most... I'm going to play, because it is public domain, I'm going to play snippets from Alicia and Troy, because Paul's clips are very spotty. Mm -hmm. Paul's clips, I will say, when he was 17, between 17 and 18 years old, he tells accounts of kids being murdered, him helping kidnap Johnny, him helping pick up kids in California, Ohio, Denver, and Vegas, which are all dropped by him, as well as Alicia and Troy. Wait, list the locations again. California, Ohio, Denver, Vegas. Huh. Paul accounts of kids put in cages. He accounts similar to Alicia flight details of places that they stop, refuel, pick up, and drop off children. He was very close to Larry King. Larry King would put Paul on private planes and send him all over the damn place. So I'm going to play a clip of Alicia accounting against the police chief which they claim is completely erroneous and didn't happen. Ha! Huh. Just blows huh. my fucking mind. You know, he had asked me before where my parents thought I was again, and I told him that I was supposed to be at a football game. And when I, the first time I, I asked him to stop, you know, I asked him, what are you, what are you doing? Because he started to unzip it. Um, he, uh... Move your clothing. Yes. Did he make love to you? Make love? Robert my He never made love to me. He may have had sex with me, but he never made love to me. Okay. Thank you. Not... Um, sex, sex. Um, he kissed me. Um, uh, that was the night that he taught me how to get him. And by head meaning oral sex, is that correct? Yes. Did he force you to do that? I know it's difficult. I don't know. Okay. I mean, I think I could have said no. Okay. But I don't know. Okay. And you know, Alicia, you're a victim. And uh, with the young age... Let's go off camera for a minute. How old? 14. He took my leg and he folded it. This is a big chair, one of those cushy kind, and so I was straddling him. Were you kind of afraid? Yeah, I was really scared. Uh, did you tell him you were afraid? Um, he was talking to me. The whole time that this was going on, he was talking. and. He said that he knew that I wasn't a virgin anymore. And... And how did he know that? I don't know how he knew that. That's why I think that 
what happened that night was supposed to happen that night, the night that I lost my virginity. Um, and he asked me what my parents would do if they knew I wasn't a virgin anymore. Okay. So how did you respond? I said my dad would kill me. Okay. They claim that she lied about all of it, and she served four years in jail for perjury, for quote-unquote lying under oath about these things that happened to her. Throw them under the fucking bus! She refused. They asked her to recant her statement. She refused. Good she for took her. The, she took that fucking jail sentence. She's like, Good for me her. In. She did two years in solitary, too. Two years, two years in, in solitary? solitary. Replaying At that 21 shit? 21 years old. 21 years old. They threw her in jail for four years. She was already in jail for bad checks. Because this poor girl had been involved with the wrong crowd and had been and forced. Ha and no no forced. tools in which to exist in society. Oh my god. So the reason she's talking to a man is that this is the investigator that died. The man's voice that you're hearing is the investigator who who compiled all of this evidence, 20 hours of testimony, and then his plane just ex disintegrated in the air. My comment about it, it's, I think it's my, my comment in that moment is about the language that they chose to use. Mm -hmm. How dare you say, yeah. how dare you made love? Yeah. Like, again, it's, it's the misogyny of the era, even though he was an investigator. Bless he was him for getting involved evidence, and taking these interviews and trying trooper. to compile this. Yeah. He still fucking said that shit. Yeah. It's insane. So I'm also and then his plane disintegrated. And so, the shit disappeared. That was when she was 14. Now, this police chief somehow knew that she lost her virginity. Troy's testimony, Troy, the other boy that was involved in this, Troy took her virginity. And he, and I'll play his clip, he was, he was recruited to introduce her to the chief. Well, well, yes, of course. They're going to use other children they snatched and other people that they abused to be able to transition you into this whole fucking scene so that it's a breaking things down bit by bit by bit and further breaks the people they're using in those scenarios. This is so fucked up. On her high school spring break, 15 years old, she told her parents she was staying at a friend's house. Instead, Larry King flew her Troy, who was 17 at the time, a boy named Danny King, who was 13, and an unnamed child who was about 12 years old. She has no idea who this kid is because he did not get back on the plane with them. He disappeared. Flew them from Omaha to Denver. They stopped, refueled, and from Denver they went to California. She has no fucking clue where they were at in California. She has no clue. They liquored her up during the entire flight. She had no idea what was going on. They put her and another boy in like adjoining hotel rooms. Mm -hmm. Troy who's with them, because Troy was 17 at the time. Troy fucking left. And Troy was her only real connection in all this. Troy's the one who kind of got her into everything. They had a little bit of a, a, a physical and intimate relationship. He's the one who took her fucking virginity. Because how else does one survive this kind of so, scenario? Without men. taking comfort in a relationship with another human being, yeah. where it's at will and something that uh, at will in quotes because the whole thing is fucking forced. Uh, 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 yeah. uh. Two men show up. It's very clear that they're 
they know who they're there for. She's alone. There's no one waiting. She even says in the clip, she's like, there was no one waiting for me outside. There was no one telling me what was going on. There was no escape. It was just me and this guy. And he abused the shit out of her. And the poor boy next door, she had no idea what happened to him. Afterwards, they sat for, like, didn't speak to each other for a moment. Finally opened the doors between the two rooms and just quietly looked at each other, just angry. And was like, and she's crying. And she's like, I just, I had to shower. We both were like, we just need to take a shower. And they didn't speak of it. Classic abuse. All night long, they were terrified that the men were going to come back. Come back! They had no clue what was going on. And this is one of, of several incidents where they were just brought to people. Does that, so like, she would go back home and be in her goddamn house and then get pulled out for this shit? They would, they would get asked to go to parties. Larry King would host these parties, but all three of them would account of this place in Omaha, Nebraska called the Two Towers, where there were several like apartments or offices and Larry would host these parties and the kids would go to them. Troy in particular got recruited to be paid for sex with like local politicians. And then Troy was asked by Larry King, and I'll play the clip of it, he was asked to bring Alicia into it. When did you meet Alicia Owens? I met Alicia Owens in about, uh, let's say February, March, April. Okay, and uh, during that time, uh, did you two become pretty good friends? Yeah, yeah, real good friends. And where did she go to school? Uh, Central. And she also went to uh, another school, I believe. Uh, uh, might have just been simple. I, I thought she went to another school up in Benson. Okay. I mean, uh, up in Dundee area, like Dundee High or something. And okay. now you became, uh, um, uh, did you become romantically involved at one time with uh, Alicia? Yeah, occasionally. Okay. And, and she, in fact, lost her virginity through you, is that correct? Yeah. Or as best you know. The best. To my knowledge, that's what I was okay. told. Okay. And uh, uh, she, in fact, uh, did you did you tell her at some time during all these years that that uh, did you introduce her to Bob Wadman? I do a roundabout way, yes. Okay, just briefly, what's this roundabout uh, well, way? Well, you know, uh, I. He, she'd all, she had met Larry before she'd met Bob, and uh, I was kind of asked by Bob, and we all got together. There was a Nation and I, Robert Weidman, and uh, uh, Larry King, uh, a black guy, another black guy, I believe by the name of uh, Robinson, Michael Robinson. What's he do? Uh, I don't know. I I don't know. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Uh, and we got together and we talked and uh, you know I guess my roundabout way is kind of like you know I was asked to do it. Asked by Larry King to do what? To introduce you know have Alicia come over. To where? To uh, uh, an office at the Woodman Tower. Okay, and whose office was that? I'm, you know, you know, there was also a party there later at the Women's Tower, which I'm getting to. Anyway. Okay, all right. Yeah. Go, go ahead. I want, I want to stay with this before we shift to the party. Okay, uh, uh, 
you know, they inter- we, we talked, had some drinks, you know, she had some drinks, she uh, was having fun. Uh, her and uh, Mr. Wadman, Bob Wadman, left. And then he goes on to account for, he brought her to the party, you know, they gave her a bunch of alcohol, she met the chief of police, and he says that there were several times that he was present while the chief of police would, would assault her but he wouldn't be in the same room. He's like, I just, they were in the other room or they'd leave together or, but he was very thoroughly aware that this guy wanted Alicia. They asked, Larry King asked him to introduce them. And that's what started her being involved in this whole circle. That's what I was told. That's what I was told. I was told to introduce. There's, there's it's, more. It's take, take time on your own. So to, painful to yeah. watch these videos because these people are so very clearly yeah. going through the painful process. Yeah. And this is only four years of later. Of bringing them, this back up. And they are young. 20, 21 years old. Recounting things that happened to them at 14, 15. For him, 17. So, Troy, who you just heard speaking, had recanted. When Caradori died, Troy recanted his original recantation. Good. And gave an interview for Conspiracy of Silence, the investigative documentary into the Franklin Child prostitution ring, which was made by Tim Tate, but suddenly pulled from the schedules and as of 2016 had never been broadcast in the USA. Troy died of a drug overdose in 2003, reportedly in a hospital after expressing his concern that he was being pursued. Oh my god. How- that's- that's one of the other parts of, like, the other half of this awful equation is, how do you have any kind of life after this? You don't. Uh, After being so broken. Yeah. Paul Bonacki, supposedly, there's a Reddit rabbit hole of them trying to find where these people are today. Paul Bonacki is supposedly got married and have kids. Supposedly. I hope he has a therapist. I don't even know if he's still alive. Larry King is somewhere in D.C. Somewhere. That's it. That's the paper trail just ends with him. I'll I'll get it. Oh, he just disappeared to the end of this here. Nick Bryant, the author of Franklin Scandal, a story of power brokers, child abuse, and betrayal, who I spoke of earlier, who did his interview. The FBI did everything it possibly could to discredit those kids. The behavior of the FBI is so egregious in the Franklin case, it's worse than appalling. He is in possession of the grand jury testimony exhibits along with Caridori's surviving documentation. Bryant has also been one of the primary journalists investigating the Jeffrey Epstein saga, including publishing the billionaire's black book of social contacts in 2015. There are many similarities between the Franklin scandal and the Epstein network, he notes. Wow. Who would have thought? In the end, the grand jury indicted Lawrence E. King for financial crimes and for paying men for sex, for which he would serve 10 years but called allegations of sex trafficking carefully crafted hoax. The grand jury accepted that the teens had been abused, but not by the people they identified. Their conflicting conclusions were denounced by the Senate committee. King was released from prison after 10 of his 15 years and is said to have relocated to Washington, D.C., according to John W. DeCamp, who was a senator who was fighting 
so fucking hard against all of this back in the day. Like, back in the 80s and 90s, John DeCamp went hard. He even represented Paul Benaki. Paul Benaki, he sued after being indicted on perjury. Him and Alicia both were indicted. In 1999, he won a $1 million lawsuit against Larry King with the help of John DeCamp. What? Federal judges ruled. A federal judge ruled. Benaki was truthful in his testimony, which included his claims that he was one of the several young male prostitutes known to have toured the White House in the 1980s. He never got the money. Are you fucking kidding me? Never got it. Where did it go? What happened to it? Oh, I'm sorry. Did Larry King weasel his way out of that one, too? Oh, my God. Do we know what Larry King looks like? Yeah. Not great. I just want to know, since I live in the D.C. area, what this guy looks like. You ever see him? I don't know what he looks like today, though. That's the thing. That's all we have of him. I... There's Alicia now. We owe Alicia an apology. This poor woman needs her roses. She spent years in jail because she refused to give the fuck up. She's years like, no. in solitary confinement after surviving this whole so thing. So what they got her on, which is... I, I just don't even understand this. What they got her on is that the police chief... They asked her to describe the police chief's body. And... She said that she never described any significant scars on his body, but according to him, he had a very significant scar from his wrist to his elbow from a gunshot wound in the 70s, and he also had a scar on his hip. How do you so have there, it from your wrist to your elbow because from a of surgery. gunshot wound? Apparently surgery to get the bone fragments or something like that, but because she didn't describe his scars, they say that she lied under oath did they specifically say scars i think she said something is that she didn't recognize any significant scars on his body the the testimony and the the case which you can look up the case against her is that she i think acts not by accident i don't know what her intentions were but she basically said there were no significant marks on his body on record kind of hard to focus on but a man's forearm scar when, he when he's abusing doing terrible things you, to you several times a day. So they got her on that, is that she didn't describe his scars properly. That's it! That's it! I, uh, uh, oh, that man looks... That's John DeCamp, the senator who was like, I'm bringing this whole thing to the ground. He was ready to burn Nebraska to the ground. What happened to him? He died in 2017. How? John DeCamp, he died, born in 1941, died 2017. Oh, he served in the military, where you get to see these kinds of abuses Vietnam. happen to your fucking fellow. He died at the age of 76. He suffered from Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is a long death. Parkinson's is pretty long, too. I think 77 is young for either of those, to be fucking honest. I, yeah. The whole thing is so sus at this point that it's I would like. It's so sus. <sighs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. In 1992, he wrote a mass-marketed paperback book titled The Franklin Cover-Up, Child Abuse, Satanism, and Murder in Nebraska, which 
we're gonna get into as well is the satanic panic of the 80s and 90s. GB was telling us about it. Yeah. There was a massive panic around Satanists and how they were gonna kill all our kids and, and it was like the Salem witch trials but in the 80s and 90s. Don't worry, don't worry about the pagans. So it's the rich. One big thing about this political elite. They thought there were satanic orgies happening and of course it like added to all of the panic that was going on. When you should have been looking at people in politics and the police and the FBI and the rich. One last note of everything. According to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, created through an act of Congress in 1984 as a direct result of John Sr. and Noreen Gosh's activism, more than one in six of the 23,500 endangered runaways reported to them in 2019 has likely been involved in child sex trafficking. The average age of victims is 15 years old. One in six of how many? 23,500 endangered runaways. Please hold. This was in 2019. But huh. this act was created 23, in Congress 000, in 23,000 and what? 23,500. 500. This act was created in Congress because Noreen refused to give up. That's almost 4,000 kids. If their figures are correct, which usually they go conservative on that. 3,960. Did you did you see kids. the Wayfair scandal recently? No. Wayfair. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That the furniture was so furniture. expensive that the theory was they were selling children. children. But the furniture was also the names of kids that were missing. Yes. And they they completely covered up and denied it. And honestly, after this whole, like, all of this and diving into it, I would not be fucking surprised. I, I oh my god, I, I've used up as many reactions as I can to this. Like, I, I don't know how much more I can scream I about just, it. It but. hates, I, it, it gnaws at me. I, it gnaws at my, the core of my fucking being that, one, nobody knows about this. Two, it just went away. Just disappeared. Just went away. Just faded away. That it's happening again. It's been happening, and no one's doing anything about it because everybody in power is fucking involved. Yeah. Or knows somebody who's fucking involved. Which scares the shit out of me because it's like no one is paying attention to the fact that there are numerous fucking photos of Epstein with very important people that are running our fucking country. So... And yet, he committed suicide in jail. Epstein didn't kill himself. Epstein didn't kill himself. It, it hurts. But yeah, that's... That's what I have to say about that. Let's find our kids. For the love of fucking God. I cannot... I cannot imagine... having your kid disappear. I cannot... I couldn't do it. Imagine... I would, I would burn things to the ground. I cannot imagine getting snatched up and put into this shit. What the fuck? And being able to function in any form then or afterwards. Do you see that? Who wrote this Wikipedia article? Numerous conspiracy theories evolved claiming that the alleged abuse was part of a widespread series of crimes including double worship cannibalism, drug trafficking, and CIA arms dealing. That, that's a sa satanic panic that they talk Sorry, about. That does smell. Does it? Yeah. I don't smell anything. That's that satanic yeah. panic shit. That's fucking Down here. We're gonna have to get into it. We're Down gonna here. have to get into it, and that 
feels like it might be appropriate in October, but not really. Down think- here it says that it was fueled the fire of rumor and innuendo because of personal grudges. Who wrote this? Who did this? Uh, hey, Drea. Yes. What are we talking about? Beaver butts. Beaver butts. It comes from a gland near beaver butts. It comes from a what? A gland. Did you know? Where the fuck is this going? I know nothing. Did you know that there is a, hmm, a, uh, ooh, it's an excretion, but then it's distilled that's used in <laughs> the names of these articles. <laughs> oh, God. Here's an example of the articles that I was looking at today. A brief history of castoreum, the beaver butt secretion used as flavoring. The what? Beavers secrete this substance and it's used as artificial flavoring in a numerous amount of things. Uh, 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 um, what? Yeah. From anything from soft drinks to vanilla ice cream to anything that's a little bit strawberry raspberry and all of that is to say that it's considered by the FDA to be a, the acronym is G-R-A-S. It, it doesn't, it's not toxic, so you can put it in whatever and just list it under natural flavoring and it never needs to be disclosed that this comes from a beaver's gland very between the pelvis and the anus <laughs> that's used in uh, in antiquity used in medicine and perfume and more frequently as how they, natural how, flavoring how did you're doing what i did last night at 3 a.m <laughs> i got dropped this on me and i went okay hang on give me your hang questions on, give me your on, questions hang on i've seen i've seen vets squeeze the glands of dogs Oh, yeah? Is it the same thing? So you can either anesthetize beavers and milk the gland. But historically, they were they were killed and hunted, hunted and killed for their pelts. And then the gland, entire gland, was dried and then used from there. This is worse. I know. This is worse. I know. <laughs> you milk the beaver. <laughs> It's in so much. It's in so much. It's also, not, also, it's in cigarettes. I'm sorry. So anytime you see natural flavoring, it's beaver. No, not every time. Not every time. But if they use it, they don't have to, they don't have to disclose it. They can just list it under. As natural. Natural flavoring. Because it's not toxic for oral or topical use. I literally just. <laughs> okay. Okay, so when you first hear okay. it, what are, what are your questions? Your questions are, what is an in? I, uh, no, my first question, no, my first yeah, question is not what it's in. Yeah? My first question is how you get it out of the beaver. You can. 
And what what happens when you get it out of the beaver? Like beaver is fine. Beaver is fine. So the beaver. I don't user, care if the beaver's fine. Oh, okay. I don't give a shit what happens. The beavers would be mad. Hang on, hang on. I'm so sorry. I do give a shit what happens to beavers. I. What I'm. <laughs> I know this looks bad, but <laughs> fuck the beavers. What happens to the secretion? I just want to know how. Because I've seen what happens when you when you when you squeeze the glands inside a dog, which is one of the most disgusting things I've ever been a party of. And it's all I can see right now. Yeah, no, no, it comes out like molasses. Usually brown can range from yellow to a milky gray. <laughs> no. You can dry the entire gland and use it that way. What the fuck is located between the pelvis and the anus? Oftentimes, urine will be a part of that if it's secreted naturally. What is the use to mark their territory? We, as human beings, are fascinated with that shit. All right. So whenever you see the beaver going pat 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 pat, is Ooh. that them doing it? You know, I didn't look up exactly the process of what the secretion looks like, but they they secrete it on the mounds of dirt and twigs around their dams so that other beavers know that their territory, they can identify gender and diet and health of the beaver by the secretion. Is it But cum? that's by other, other beavers. No, Is no, it no, beaver no, cum? No, 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 do no, Do beavers no, no. cum? No, 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 no. Of course they do. But this is not cum. This is an entirely different thing called pistorino. What does it taste Closely like? Closely related to... Okay, my next question is who, who the fuck was the one motherfucker that was my question and that's what led me on this rabbit hole search was that crazy ass jebediah are you ready who did it are you ready yes is that the article it's butt juice i don't know no 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 i i can't get the image of the fucking dog gland out of my head because that's all but it's like but now it's a beaver, so it's like, do you shove your hand up the beaver's rectum and then you just... No, 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 no. No, no, you can't. Are you ready? Are you ready for this knowledge? This is an article on Food Chain Traveler. Question. Question. Who discovered Beaver a beaver's anal glands taste like vanilla? I milked your cow. We don't have a cow. Why is this? This is. I'm trying to think of what would be the sound when you milk a beaver. So this ass. is in like ice cream and alcoholic beverages and uh, perfume and in cigarettes and in anything that was synthetic vanilla or maybe raspberry strawberry. Common for a while. Wait, 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 wait for a while. Wait, wait. In the fuck. modern era. Do you remember? Fuck. Do you remember those strawberry cream ca candies? The strawberry cream candies. Holy fuck! Give me shit. a name brand. That. Uh, 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 I bet it's in there. I bet it's in the strawberry cream candies. Yes, those cream savers. Oh. I bet they're in cream savers. Totally. I used to eat whole fucking bags of cream savers. To as totally, a kid. totally. Lots of beaver glands in that one. Oh, God. All right. Yeah. All right, folks. Vanilla Coke. 
Who still fucking drinks vanilla Coke? Question. Who's Who that? discovered a beaver's anal glands taste like vanilla? Coca-Cola light. Coca-Cola beaver gland. And Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Who went looking at beaver glands? Short answer. And this guy. is from a white guy. Food Chain Traveler. No. In fact, no. Short answer. Either one of the indigenous people of Mesoamerica oh. or explorer Hernan Cortes. Which was my question. When I knew that this was in no everything. No one suspects the Spanish Inquisition. When this was in everything, I went... Who figured this out? Who did it? Who is the one who, who the was fuck? sniffing the butts of it's, beavers? It's literally the same as the guy who decided, I'm going to pull on those little titties underneath a cow, and I'm going to put it the It literally says in here, in this is mouth. kind of like who looked at a cow's udder. Let me, let me like, read this article for you. Ooh, that's good. Ooh. They, do you think the first person to pull out a milk titty, like... Dip their finger in it and taste it, or if they now nah, they like, squirt that shit right in their mouth. Ah! <laughs> they saw the calves going at it. They were, and were real like, bored. You know They're real bored. Or very, very hungry. Like if they had nothing to live off of, and they were like, "Well, the calf can drink it, so maybe I can too." Do you think they were bored one day and, and they're like, "Jebedee, get up under that cow." Okay, daddy. Nah, 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 son. They'd have put that shit in a pail and figure it out from there. They were not Max, putting I don't want someone's head no. under the goddamn cow. Max, I don't want the logical reason for it. I want the weird That's reason That's what for I it. said. They saw the baby cow, the calf drinking it, and they were like, maybe. They're close enough. No. All right, short answer. Either one of the indigenous people of Mesoamerica or the explorer Hernan Cortez. Long answer. This is an interesting question. It fits in the category of... Who was the first person to look at a cow's udder and think, I'm going to see if I can get something drinkable out of that? There you go. There you go. Yeah, segment. See? Segment. Now, shush. As far as I can tell, the theory goes all the way back. We find evidence in archaeological research for beavers in Europe and North America as far back as 5500 BC. 5500 BC. Beavers were most famously hunted for their pelts, meat, and medicinal use of their intestines. Pause. Etsy has beaver glands. Yeah. For seventy dollars. Yeah, yeah. You can get thirty-five grams, one point two three ounces of beaver ass gland for sixty-nine ninety-nine plus shipping. Yeah, they say it's actually one of the more. Should I drop the link in the, the chat? No. No, these people don't want that. Like the glands that produce the aromatic beaver oil, a.k.a. castoreum. In Northern America, indigenous people, like the carrion, were known to have used the castor gland for medicinal purposes before the arrival of colonizing Europeans. The first written history of medicinal use of castoreum in Europe dates back to at least 77 BC, because it came from North America over to Europe. Where the they? Romans fucking used it for everything. I'm sure. The Romans do all kinds of stuff. When Pliny the Elder wrote in his Naturalis Historica of different uses of castoreum. Is it? Wait, wait, wait. Castor oil is this shit? Yes. Castor is the Latin for beaver. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been around for a long time, baby. Doctors cause sneezing by its smell. It is soporific if the head is rubbed all over with beaver oil, rose oil, and pusidanum. Or if by itself it is taken in water, for which reason it is useful in brain fever. It also arouses by the smell of fumigation, sufferers from coma and hysteria, fainting women, the latter used by a pessary. Fainting women. It raises people up by the smell from coma, fever, or fainting. It is an emanagogue and brings away the afterbirth if two drachmae are taken in water with pennyroyal. It is also a remedy for vertigo, epistotonus, palsy tremors, cramps, sinewed pains, sciatica, stomach troubles, and paralysis in all cases by rubbing all over or ground to the consistency of honey with seed of vitex in vinegar and rose oil. In this form, it is taken for epilepsy, but in drink for flatulence, griping, and poisons. The only difference in its use for the various poisons lies in the ingredients with which it is mixed. For scorpion bites, it is taken in wine. For phalangium and other spiders in honey wine, if it is to be vomited back, or with rue, if it is to be retained. For chalcica, with myrtle wine. For the horned asp and prester, with panacea or rue, in wine. For the bites of other serpents, with wine. Two drachmae are a sufficient dose. Of the other ingredients, one drachma. It is specific in vinegar for mistletoe poisoning, in milk or water for poisoning by aconite, for white hellbore in oxymel and soda. It also cures toothache if pounded with oil. It is poured into the ear on the side of the pain. For earache, it is better mixed with poppy juice. Added to attic honey and used as an ointment, it improves the vision. In vinegar, it checks hiccups. In beaver urine, too, counteracts poisons and therefore is added to the antidotes. It is, however, best preserved, as some think, in the beaver's bladder. Seeing as Roman doctors caused sneezes by its smell and others had their heads rubbed all over with the stuff, it's likely someone by then had noticed its vanilla-like smell, or at least its smell, because until the early 1500s, vanilla was not yet known in Europe. So, so they knew beaver gland oil before they knew vanilla, and they liked it and then found out about vanilla, and then it was used to be synthetic vanilla. So, so, so does, so, allow me to continue. Hang on. Pre-Columbian Hang Mesoamerican. On. Hang on, I, I'm, uh, so does it smell? <laughs> so, in its unaltered state, it is very earthy. It's like musk. It's, it reminds people no, of leather. No, my brain is. And then when distilled that, in alcohol, it, smells like it vanilla. has vanilla okay. and strawberry and raspberry notes. My brain was like, if you lift up a beaver tail yeah, and people shove smell your butt. snoot into yep. it, it yep. smells like vanilla. Not quite, but maybe. Depends on your nose. There's a quote from a lady, several That's articles. That's where my brain is. My about brain is... sticking her nose in beaver butts. And she's like, it's beavers. It's amazing. Do it. We'll get to that later. Did you know that if you lick the butt of a carpenter ant, it's zesty like a lemon? Don't ask me how I know that. How do you know that? I said don't ask me. Have you licked ants? Pre-Columbian Mesoamerican people were the first to cultivate the vine of vanilla orchid called Tlilchotl. 
by the Aztecs. It was only brought to Europe by Hernan Cortes in the early 1520s. So in Europe, we likely knew the smell of a beaver's anal glands before we knew what vanilla was. I don't like that. So then they have maps. I can't look at this anymore. (laughs) It's pretty rough. Beaver ass. Oh, look at candies instead. Oh, oh, I had those candies. Yeah. Little strawberry the ones, ones that look like strawberries. They look like a little strawberry where the tie, twisty tie is the green part of they it. They have beaver ass in them. Jelly beans do beaver too. Beaver ass. Mm. Okay, so you want to get into Jelly beans have beaver ass. Technicality. It's in ice cream. It's in candies. It's in alcohol. It's in... Cake. Soda. Artificial vanilla. And then also beaver used ass. to make raspberry strawberry flavors. How do we get it out of the beaver? Do I? I don't. I shouldn't Google that. You either milk it out when it's under anesthesia, or you kill the beaver and remove it whole. There's a YouTube video that I did not click on that says how to remove this gland. You need a sharp knife. And Hershey's. I grew up near Hershey's. Careful hands. All right. It's disgusting. So looking at the maps above that overlaid where beavers came from and where vanilla grows, it is possible that there was a group of indigenous people in the Americas that had both beavers and vanilla orchids in their environment and maybe in their diet, but I haven't found any historical evidence to prove that. I'll keep looking. According to the Oxford Companion to Sugar and Sweets, castoreum was first used as a food additive in the early 20th century but is now rarely, if ever, used in mass-produced flavor industry. It did, and then it's not anymore because it's too expensive to get. Oh. This is most likely because it is too expensive to produce. In the flavor industry, you need tons and tons of material to work with, says flavor chemist Gary Reinicus in NPR's The Salt. It's not like you can grow fields of beaver to harvest. There aren't very many (laughs) of them. You'd be surprised. So it ends up being a very expensive product and not very popular in food companies. So it once was in everything. Everything. And then now it's it's not because people care about actual real vanilla. You know, I bet America could figure out how to do a beaver field. So it seems. acid can be synthesized in a lab with... It's roots and beaver butts. Wow. That's that's where my head went. Wow. I was like, there's no way synthetic that they're beaver-ass. extracting this from beavers the whole time. They have to be synthetically producing this at some level if yeah. it's still used that widely. So it seems like the question should be, who was the first person to discover that vanilla tasted like a beaver's anal glands instead of the other way around? Because they knew beaver anal glands before they knew vanilla. I don't like discovering things anymore. I mean, I never did like the discovery of, of things because certain things you just don't fucking discover, but gross. And it's likely to have been a culinary adventurous mine among the indigenous people of Middle America or one of Hernan Cortez's friends somewhere in the 16th century Europe. Fun beaver fact one, giant beavers of over two meters in size used to roam North America in the Pleistocene. Fun two beaver meters? fact number two, one of Aesop's fables dated somewhere between 620 and 564 BC, describes the beaver as having the habit of gnawing on its own testicles when hunted. Fun beaver fact three. What the the fuck? This bourbon uses castoreum for flavor, and they advertise it as such, and it's expensive. What the fuck? We'll get into that later. Wait, the beaver gnaws on its own testicles when hunted? Apparently. 
I didn't dive into that one because I wanted to continue on Castoreum. A brief history of Castoreum. The beaver butt secretion used as flavoring. In September 2013, this article is on mental floss. In September 2013, popular terrible. blogger The Food Babe released a video proclaiming that beavers flavor a ton of foods at the grocery store with their little butthole. Since then, the internet has been crowded with alarmist posts saying that the beaver butts are used to flavor everything from soft drinks to vanilla ice cream. The culprit behind this scare is a flavorant called castoreum. But what exactly is it? And why is it worth all the fuss? Castoreum is a substance secreted by male and female Alaskan, Canadian, and Siberian beavers from pouch-like sacs located near the base of their tails. Castor is the word for beaver in Latin. Beavers can't see or hear very well, but they have a great sense of smell. And as a result of their castoreum glands, they also smell great. They use their castoreum in part to mark their territory, secreting it on top of mounds of dirt they construct at the edges of their home turf. The castoreum squirting out is apparently so loud, you can hear it if you're standing nearby. What does it sound like? I need to know what it sounds like. You have the internet right here. Beavers also use the fatty, waxy secretion to waterproof their fur. So not only do they use it to mark their territory, they put it on their fur for waterproofing. An odorous combination of vanilla and raspberry with floral hints Castoreum carries information about a beaver's health and helps to make distinctions between family members and outsiders. Beavers are so interested in the smell that historically fur trappers would bait traps with castoreum. When castoreum is fresh, it's a fluid that ranges in color from yellow to milky gray and sticky depending on the type of beaver and its gender. In a live animal, this fluid is milked and dried to a solid for perfume making. In a dead animal, the entire castoreum gland is removed oh. and traditionally preserved by smoking it over a wood fire. Uh. For much of its history, castoreum was used as a medicine. Roman women inhaled the fumes of castoreum being burned in lamps because they believed it would induce abortions. It did not. Oh, no, ma'am. That's not right at Narrator all. voice. It did not. Hildegard von Bingen, a 12th century Benedictine abbess, mystic and scholar wrote that powdered beaver testicles drunk in wine would reduce a fever the castoreum gland when dried is easily mistaken for testes castoreum has also been used to treat headaches which makes sense given that it contains salicylic acid the main ingredient in aspirin so they legitimately were using this gland to treat fever and pains because it had the ingredient that is in aspirin Ooh, hang on. Is that yeah. a real thing? What? A plant that was great birth control the Romans picked and didn't plant and it went extinct. Is that a thing? I will look it up. I would love to do an episode on ancient medicine. Ancient. Well, also just specifically birth control and abortion herbs because that's been a thing since women had babies, which is all of time. All right. <clears throat> Let's but get back to this. The colonization of America led into an increase in the availability of beaver pelts, which were used to make fine hats all over Europe, and to a resurgence of interest in castoreum as medicine. Sold in drugstores and pharmacies, it was recommended for ear aches, tooth aches, colic, gout, inducing sleep, preventing sleep, and general strengthening of the brain. It was also in the 19th century that the substance began to be used in the perfume industry as a fixative 
which is an ingredient that makes other scents smell better and last longer. There are still perfumes today. I have it from the Perfume Society, a list of them, mostly French, some big names that use castor in Of course they're fucking French. By the end of the 19th century, the demand for pelts and castorium was so great that the North American beavers were on the edges of extinction. That's how good it was. In 1894, a representative of the Hudson Bay Company, a major beaver pelt and castorium trading firm, said, the beaver's days are numbered. He cannot coexist with civilization. It's too good for the beaver to survive as a species. That's that butt juice. Is it still a America's beaver America's ready today? for that butt juice. According to the Oxford Companion to Sugar and Sweets, castorium was first used as food additive in the early 20th century, but is now rarely, if ever, used in the mass-produced flavor industry. Nevertheless, the FDA considers it industry. a natural flavor. That's, no. Since no. it's derived from a natural source no. and can be used to add fruity strawberry or raspberry notes or as substitute for vanilla. The compounds come from the beaver's diet of bark and leaves for that vanilla. One of the few places it is reliably found is in the Swedish schnapps. I thought you were going to say Swedish fish. Swedish schnapps. Beaver. I can't. It's B-V-R-H-J-T. People ate the glass. What? Beavers are generally no longer hunted for their pelts or castoreum. So to acquire the sicky stuff, beavers must be anesthetized and the castoreum gland milked by a human. Stop saying milked. The process the was described as pretty gross. Yeah. By Joanne Crawford, a wildlife ecologist at Southern Illinois University, who is no stranger to beaver butts. She noted that the goo has a consistency somewhat like molasses. Due to the inconvenience and expense of harvesting castoreum from live beavers, the substance is now seldom used. According to Fenerali's Handbook of Flavor <laughs> Ingredients, the annual industry consumption is very low. What flavor was. Around 300 pounds is all that is consumed annually of this. Whereas the consumption of natural vanillin is over 2.6 million pounds annually. So people have moved to real vanilla yeah. away from beaver butts. Yeah. When castorium is used, it's Good. far more likely to be in the profitable fragrance industry rather than in the foods we eat. Disgusting. More specifically, the raw form is often described as birch tar or Russian leather. But when diluted in alcohol, the substance picks up a more pleasant, musky, and fruity nuances. Joanne Crawford that I mentioned earlier, her popular quote that is in a bunch of these articles is, People think I'm nuts, she told Nat Geo. I tell them, oh, but it's beavers. It smells really good. Because she smells beaver butts Is that just what she does? Mm -hmm. Wildlife ecologist in Southern Illinois University, encouraging people to stick their noses under the animal's tail and take a whiff. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration calls the beaver's goo a generally safe additive for food. For the past 80 years, food scientists have added it to products, often labeled only as natural flavoring. It's in products like frozen dairy, gelatins, puddings, and non-alcoholic beverages, but also some alcoholic beverages. I remember being told a thing about how green jello has powdered animal bones in it. Oh, gelatin is just bones reduced down. Oh. The essence of gelatin is it's just bones. Is what is like okay? So that was real okay. bones reduced I, I think down. I remember bones that and hooves. Like, I don't know if you heard. It takes horses to produce. It's also yeah. the chemical that's in in, in hooves. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's I, all. That's all. That shit you heard as a child. 
It That's is all true. true. Yeah, yeah. Well, not all of it, but that part of it, yeah. Wow. It's difficult and expensive to milk a beaver to get fresh uh, secretions. And if you ever go beaver hunting, they can easily be removed with the help of a knife and your fingers. A trapper in northern Ontario says these beauties can sell for 40 to $60 each. That's Canadian dollars. That's, yeah, we saw um, the Siberian ones are going for starting at 70 Huffington Post. Is beaver butt really used to flavor your dessert? Here's what you should know. <laughs> More at 11. Technically called castoreum, there's a substance described as brown slime that comes from the beaver's castor gland, which is located a short gasp away from its anal gland, right there under its big tail. Flavoring ice cream, chewing gum, pudding, and brownies. Basically anything that could use a vanilla, raspberry, or strawberry substitute for the past 80 years, at least. Wild. This is so wild. Yeah. And you said this was... The, who talked oh, about this? Oh, FDA considers it generally recognized as SAFE, which is G-R-A-S acronym for their describing of it. Generally recognized as safe. Yeah. I don't trust that. Non-toxic if it gets in your mouth or on your skin. So it's used in perfumes and, and medicines in ancient times. They could literally recognize anything as generally I know. safe. I know. I know. That's terrible. It's like the FDA doesn't even care. The FDA doesn't care. FDA doesn't give a shit. They're oh, like, yeah, God. okay. Oh, it was really entertaining that... The article on Wikipedia was like, no, it's not in anything anymore. And everything else was lies. like... Lies. Lies. Nope. Lies. It, I guarantee it's still in shit. North American beaver and the European beaver, which means that they might have had it before it came over from Mesoamerica, but a lot of the articles and signs point to the North American beaver being the one that is mostly used for this, okay. which is why it was almost extinct. We had the same picture again of it being the whole yeah. sack being dried have you, in a museum. Have you ever, like in the same vein as the whole, it's probably a conspiracy that's still in our food. Have you ever heard the theory that rice is substituted with plastic? Not the full theory, but I do have in the back of my brain like a tickle of some yeah. sort of mention of make sure your, your rice, rice is quality a, so yeah. that it is not cut Bits of plastic. with yeah. plastic, which is wild. Castoreum extract possesses weak antibacterial activity. A long historical use of castoreum extract as flavoring and fragrance ingredient has resulted in no reports of human adverse reactions. On the basis of this information, low-level, long-term exposure to castoreum extract does not pose a health risk. The objective of this review is to evaluate the safety and use of castoreum extract as a food ingredient. So, because no one has had a problem with it by either eating it or rubbing it on them, then it's fine. The Perfume Society. Discover, <laughs> explore, enjoy. Castoreum. Beaver's anal By glands. By S.A. Lauder. <laughs> Beaver's anal glands. Now who? Fragrance. I'll list them. Ass juice. Beaver's anal glands. Now who exactly first thought an ingredient from the castor sac a gland near the beaver's reproductive organs. I love that they went reproductive organs instead of anus. It's all the same area. Would be just fantastic is when bottled and dabbed onto the pulse points. Is that reproductive? You can't reproduce with your ass. 
I was noting that the Perfume Society said that it's near reproductive organs instead of all the other okay. articles that Sorry. said that it was it's, near the I'm anal I'm, like, glands. trying to, like, keep my brain on... Still trying to points. absorb this. I'm absorbing a lot. Through the skin. We often marvel at who must first have experimented with some of the more unusual elements in perfumery and try to imagine some of the failed experiments, too. Da, da, da. Oh, God, what are the failed ones? Exactly. Not surprisingly, this carnal, animalic note has since the beginning of the 20th century, for ethical and environmental reasons, almost always been recreated synthetically. It's really not on to kill an animal to extract a scented oil. Although it was also used by physicians to treat fever, headache, and hysteria. But whatever the source, there's no getting away from Castorium's seriously musky sensuality. What the fuck? Which also, <laughs> which also has a hint of fruitiness. Smelled neat? We've tried it. Really not a good idea. It whiffs intensely of birch tar and leather. Only when expertly blended does it soften and seduce, blending well with rose and oud in particular, and acting as an excellent fixative for other notes. Smell castoreum in homage, memoir woman, Dior Diorama, Givenchy Isatis, Guarlin Shalimar, Juliet has a gun, mad madame, Juliet has a gun, Midnight Ode, Roja Dove, Reckless, Tower Perfumes, Reckless. 06, Incense Rose. Now, when I looked this up, there were more of those in the article that I had. I was going to say, there has to be more. There were more, like, really recognizable perfume it names. There has to be. In the list of ass juice to rub on your body. So this article said... Are cigarettes vegan? And the reason no is castoreum. Cigarettes are one of the few remaining products in the world to use an ingredient called castoreum. Yep, that's right. All these years you've been smoking beaver ass. Sort of. And I swear I'm not making this up just to mess with you. God, vegans have a weird sense of humor. According to this blogger who diligently researched the matter, there are only two brands of cigarettes that do not contain castoreum. American Spirits and Winston's. No, this is not a commercial for either of those brands, nor is it an endorsement to smoke cigarettes. However, if you're addicted, you're probably smoking vegan. All right, yeah, smoking's bad. Cool. Yeah. Wired, what's inside? For a refreshing, for a refreshing hint of tear gas, light up a cigarette because some of it is there. Wasn't there a thing about fiberglass being in our cigarettes? Oh God, I'll I'll tell you the whole. Okay, so this is the list of everything in cigarettes. Paper, ammonium hydroxide, which is essentially ammonia in water. Castoreum, commonly found in the secretions of a beaver's castor glands, located near the animal's genitals. Again, we're going with genitals instead genitals. of anus. Why is that more offensive? Anus. This substance, when processed, gives Just your cigarette your a sweet odor and a smoky flavor. In 1991, Philip Morris used just eight pounds of the pungent stuff to make 40, 400 billion cigarettes, proving that a little genital secretion goes a long way. Boo. Uh, two acetyl three ethylpyrazine copayaba oil from a tree in Brazil. Phenyl methyl ketone. That those are about to go extinct. Gamma heptalactone. Sugar, burning sugar 
Sugar. Burning sugar releases acetaldehyde, as does fermenting alcohol, which at least one study says has a narcotic effect. It's also a positive reinforcer when combined with nicotine. Each amplifies the other's effect on your brain. So putting sugar in the cigarette makes nicotine do more things. Hmm. Okay. Do, 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 do. Beaver schnapps. Are you ready? We're going to alcohol now. Oh my god. Beaver schnapps. An unusual it. Swedish liqueur. This is so fun. So this is somebody who compiled a bunch of different research through some Swedish articles to be able to present this as something in English for us to be able to take away. In trying to locate sources on how to process beaver scent sacks, casters, to make perfume from them, I kept running into sites in Swedish talking about a drink made from them. I found it hard to believe, but I've pieced together enough of the story to share it. Thank goodness that I have enough experience with Germanic languages to be able to do this. Many Scandinavian people have a strong tradition of drinking small amounts of strong liqueur during a meal. In Swedish, they're called snaps. In German, it's called schnapps. 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 In Sweden, and Denmark especially, there's a related tradition of distilling the liqueur at home or flavoring a simple aquavit with herbs grown at home. And believe it or not, castoreum is one of the flavorings people use. Faberhocht, of course. A must-have for every holiday table. Mix the castoreum with spirits. Let it sit for at least a month, add to more brandy, and it's ready to drink. Tastes like the devil and smells like turpentine. You will smell like beaver for a week afterwards. That's disgusting. Another article. Once you have the glands, put them in 400 milliliters of 80 proof liquor in a glass jar. Let stand for four months. Strain the cloudy liquid through a filter twice. This gives about 300 milliliters of essence. For flavoring, <laughs> for flavoring a 750 milliliter bottle of vodka, use between 5 and 15 milliliters to taste. One beaver can flavor 20 to 60 bottles of snaps. If you drink the pure essence, people with an ordinary sense of smell will be able to detect it on you for two weeks. What the fuck? There's another one where she says the text is long-winded and doesn't really say anything new, but shows some great photos removing any doubt as to whether these they were using the casters fresh or dried. These are fresh. The article reinforces that 80-proof liquor should be used in the extraction and that it takes several weeks to several months. It does, however, say one thing that I haven't heard elsewhere, which is that some malt whiskeys use castoreum. It also says that the extraction should be done in a sunny window. And lest you think that beaver snops is some kooky redneck thing, here's a review of the 25 best snops in Sweden by Aperitif Magazine. Tied for first place, BVT HJT, representing Baberhocht, made with castoreum and tasting very good with hints of whiskey. And then she provides her own recipe after all of that research. Is there any way we can get our hands on one of those? Yes. Here. Linking to... An American whiskey advertises made with castoreum. This whiskey is flavored be this whiskey is flavored with beaver from food and wine. Any publicity is good publicity, and for New Hampshire-based spirits brand Tamworth Distilling, that includes the inevitable chatter that is sure to pop up after deciding to flavor a new limited edition whiskey with castoreum, a secretion that comes from a beaver caster sacks located not too far from its tail by the rodent's bottom. I love 
not that you can tell whether they Bladder. care about the ass or the yeah. genitals. House of Tamworth O de Musk, as the beaver-based whiskey is called, is actually a lot less crazy than it may sound. Not particularly far off from saying that honey bourbon is spiked with bee vomit. Whatever. Though beaver bum secretions might sound way grosser, with its sweet notes of vanilla and fruit, castoreum has actually been used as a flavoring additive for hundreds of years and is totally acceptable according to the Food and Drug Administration. In fact, according to the distillery, government approval is where the story starts. As we build recipes, each one has to be reviewed by the Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau. This is common practice and generally bases the acceptance of these formulas on FDA certified ingredients. The unique details behind this particular ingredient led to further exploration. The distillers were intrigued by what they found. The sack excretion exhibits bright and fruit qualities, raspberry, and rich leathery notes, along with creamy vanilla aroma. Just don't go together. These notes are also very common on barrel-aged spirits, so a natural progression took place. Tamworth continues. The result is a rich, full-bodied two-year bourbon that bolsters a vanillic nose and fruity floral finish, a medley of charming flavors that are sure to impress. So you can get a 200 milliliter bottle of this Ask for you. $65. $65? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. no. Fucking no. I'm going to stick with my $20 bottle of alcohol. Thank you. I don't need ass juice that much. Okay, so the phrase that I looked up was going down the rabbit hole. Oh, yeah, because I was like, that's got to be a thing. It's exactly what I guess it was. Nothing. No. Oh, okay, go ahead. Going down the rabbit hole? Yeah. It's because rabbit holes are, like, really long and windy, right? It's because of Alice in Wonderland. It had to come from somewhere before that, though, right? The New Yorker has a really fun article on this. Of course it does. New Yorker can't be trusted, though. Of all of the contributions that Lewis Carroll made to the English language, including burble, chortle, gimbal, galumph, by far the most useful to contemporary culture is rabbit hole. Carol did not, of course, invent the rabbit hole. That Thanks. distinction belongs to rabbits. But with the publication of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, he did turn those holes into something that people could fall down. Literally, in Alice's case, figuratively for the rest of us. That was in 1865. For most of the ensuing century and a half, the phrase maintained a modest profile, always present but far from omnipresent. You might say it just burbled along. They think they're funny. Lately, however, we have begun talking about rabbit holes incessantly. If you open up Google or Twitter, you can watch people plummet in rabbit real time. This is a, a really long, fun article, but essentially, the phrase was coined by Lewis Carroll in this book. Where did he get it from, though? Like, he just thought, oh, a rabbit hole, it'd be fun to fall down one of those. Yes. That's literally it. Yes. I, I just have been so convinced that, like, that was a thing before Lewis Carroll just put it in his book. No, no. Lewis Carroll used it in his book. It was used a little bit. And then the age of the internet made it something that we actually use as a phrase. Literally, okay. the internet is why we say you fall down a rabbit, rabbit hole, hole because you can click through. Okay. Down the rabbit hole is an idiot. I'm going to somewhere else because the, the, the New Yorker article is fun, but very wordy and very long. It's an idiom with its roots in a children's book. Down the rabbit hole describes the act of journeying into a bizarre or disorienting environment that is difficult to remove oneself from. Just, yeah, a person I mean. may say he has gone down the rabbit hole or fallen down the rabbit hole when he finds himself in a situation that is surreal or extremely odd. The term down the rabbit hole is often used. Stop 
exploding weird. <laughs> often used these days to describe the phenomenon of researching on the internet. Often one thing leads to another, and a computer user may find himself or herself or themselves okay. spending too much time on one particular task. The idiom down the rabbit hole is derived from the children's book Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, written by Lewis Carroll in 1865. In the story, a young girl, Alice, spies a white rabbit dressed in a waistcoat carrying a pocket watch. Alice follows the rabbit down the rabbit hole, where she encounters many strange characters, including La La La. Getting is there, it. Is there any links to rabbits and mythology, then? No, None. not especially. So what I found in there is that correlating to down the rabbit hole is the, the essence of losing track of time. Because when Alice falls, she has time to get yeah. bored and take a snack and like yeah. interact and all of this. So a big core part of that phrase is the ability to completely lose track of time. Okay. But do we know if Lewis Carroll pulled from anything to put this concept of rabbit hole into a story because I know from mythology rabbits and like jackrabbits it's a whole thing but it's not it yes rabbits are present in mythology but it wasn't something referring to their homes so much as what they did behavioral wise okay. yes part of it is that the rabbit can run and then dive into the hole but I found in the research where they talk about a burrow of a rabbit, I think the New Yorker article references, a rabbit burrow is very boring and tame compared to gophers or groundhogs. Like, they're literally get into how, like, the population of this one, I think it's gophers or prairie dogs, community that expands so large Probably and was hugely dogs. populated. It was bigger than the population of the United States. Yeah. The amount of critters that were... So, like, there, there are bigger things that have more of their homes be a thing than rabbits. rabbits. Relatively, rabbits are very boring when it okay. comes to what the hole is like. Also, a 45 degree incline is what's common for a rabbit, which doesn't lead to falling down a hole. So it was just Lewis Carroll going, this is what I'm gonna do with this. Okay. And then it just kind of floated around until the internet happened and, and the thing. age that's... of the internet made going down a rabbit hole a whole last thing. Okay. I, the, the New Yorker article is really fun. There's some verbose bullshit, but there's also some really fun stuff in there that's it's, worth going over, but I don't really want to take that time to do it now. Urban Dictionary said that the same things about going down a rabbit hole, but that it could also yeah, that, allude yeah. to drugs because there's <laughs> the theory I, that the story is a fucking drug trip. I Urban wanted, Dictionary called that out, too. I wanted the concept to be more than just Lewis Carroll tripping on drugs. Mm -mm. I wanted to think, like, maybe... Do you remember what I said when you asked me what do you think what I thought it was? I yeah. said Alice in Wonderland, but also because dogs are bred to go into the homes into the holes of rodents yeah and so i pulled up all of all of that so terriers are especially bred to go in either kill them down there or to route them out vermin including yeah. rabbits especially rabbits also part of that is rabbits have multiple entrances yeah so that you could so you can go in and route yeah. them out so i have a bunch of research on history of terriers and dogs and breeds and breaking down of that i like it I wanted more. I know. Sorry. Sometimes it's phrases are just... Just like fuck. Somebody just invents it. My letdown of fuck. I have I have a list of... 
from some Knox was like, you need to talk about all of the words that and phrases that Shakespeare invented because there are a so we should definitely do a Shakespeare episode. So I think that we've got, yeah, we, we've got to do one of those. I would like to get into those weird theories about Shakespeare and his romantic life and how someone uh, tried to throw out there that Shakespeare was a woman. There's weird stuff around Shakespeare. Gay! Shakespeare was gay! I, I do like the Bible thing that Shakespeare... I, I don't agree with the Shakespeare is a woman thing. I just know that somebody tried it. Don't start with me. Do not start with me. Someone tried to put that out there. When you said, what's up with fuck, uh, there's the common fun thing that circulated around Ben Fares, especially. Fornication under the consent of the king. And it's not complete, real. utter bullshit. It's not real. But also the whole thing about Shakespeare putting his name in the Bible, has that been proven? I have no I'll idea what you're talking about. We'll do a Shakespeare episode. It'll be yeah. fun. So... So, thank you so much for tuning in. This was the Walta Podcast. Find us on all social medias at the Walta Podcast. If you have a concept, theory, urban legend, something you would love us to talk about, send it to us at thewaltapodcast at gmail.com. Support us on Patreon at House of the Slither Sisters, where you get bonus material, episodes from the previous year that we have pulled because of content and structure that we have shifted into. Also episodes that uh, we do live here. All of our live recordings with the with the fun video and whatever images we choose to throw up there will be available on Patreon at any tier. So please feel free to become a patron and get access to all of our fun bonus material. Some of the higher tiers you actually get to contribute or be featured on the podcast. Our intro is Come Out and Play by Darren Curtis. Before we leave today, we'd like to throw a shout-out to the Watch If You Dare podcast. They gave us a stellar review on Podchaser. We adore them and what they have to say about horror. They've got some really great, great, great ideas that they, they've been putting on their podcast. I like it. I like it a lot. They kind of kind of got me there for a minute when they started talking about M. Night Shyamalan, but they straight up were like, no, he needs to not... He needs someone else to direct. But, I mean, no, he needs someone else to write. That's what it was. Yeah. That he's cool at directing, but they need someone else to write his shit because whole buddy. So they sold me on that. So, yeah, check out Watch If You Dare. And next week is the beginning of our October series. Please hold. Speaking of reviews, yes. please, 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 if you enjoy this, if you enjoy this especially on one of the platforms that you listen to it as a podcast, please rate and write a review. Yes. That's how we beat the algorithm. You can give us whatever review. Give us your shopping list. Give us your request. Say whatever the fuck you want in that text blur, but put text on it because that's how that algorithm works for us to get bumped up and we would love to be able to be further exposed to people. Yes. So, write a review and rate us to help bump us in our staff. Well, hello everybody. This is Samantha coming to you a little sick and under the weather. I apologize that the episode you're about to hear was supposed to be released in early September, but unfortunately, because things have been a little hectic, stressful, and sickly on our part, it's coming a little late.